Today's reading comes from the 20th chapter of John, beginning with the 19th verse. Later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews, they had locked all the doors in the house. And Jesus entered, stood among them, and said, Peace to you. He then showed him his hands and his side. The disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were exuberant, and Jesus repeated his message, Peace to you. Just as God sent me, I send you. And then he took a deep breath and breathed into them, saying, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive someone's sins, they are gone for good. And if you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? You want to hear that again? Just let that, you know, that's one of these, that's one of these sayings of Jesus that just needs to kind of sit there. If you forgive, they're gone. And if you don't, what are you going to do with them? Hold a grudge forever. I mean, that's, <laughs> anyway. But Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples told him, we saw the master and Thomas's remark was, unless I see the nail holes in his hands, put my finger in the nail holes, and stick my hand in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the room. This time Thomas was with them. And Jesus once again came through the locked door, stood among them, and said, Peace to you. Then he focused his attention on Thomas. Take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas said, My master, my God. And Jesus said, So you believe because you've seen with your own eyes. Even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. All right. Now, we're going to talk about Thomas for just a few minutes. I really was tempted to talk about that other little saying that that we just talked about. Forgive the sins and they're gone. And if you don't, and I'm going to talk about it anyway. Because, I mean, that is a really heavy-duty question. And you notice that he didn't, you know, it's like, love as I've loved you, right? That, that's a pretty clear statement, right? Uh, I was hungry, you fed me. That's a pretty clear statement. But he makes a statement and then asks a question. Forgive the sin of others and they're gone. That's a statement. So we clearly know that if you forgive, it's done. It's finished. But then he says, but if you don't forgive, folks, what are you going to do with them? Let that rest in your head for a minute. I know we had some remarks. Wow, you can just hold grudges forever. I, but the point is that Jesus graduated us out of high school with this resurrection. We no longer need to be told. We already know what happens if we don't forgive. We know that from the cross. God 
forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If there's no forgiveness, there's no resurrection. We're worshiping somebody else. Maybe a tree in Canada or something. So when he comes back and makes this appearance, it's like, look, I've now provided you with the Holy Spirit. You didn't think you had the strength to forgive before, but now you do. And by the way, if you don't do this, if you don't take this gift, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm sorry, that just, you know, that kind of hits me like, damn. Because we always, don't we, we always make, we can make credible arguments for not forgiving people because they did this, they did that, and by God, they're not sorry, and they are just evil, and they are just mean, and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus points out to us, that isn't even the issue. <laughs> the issue is, Okay, you didn't forgive them. So what are you doing with it? You didn't take out the trash. So what are you doing with it? You haven't worn that sweater in two years. What are you doing with it? It's a good question, folks, to leave here with today. If you need to be convinced that the way to life, the way to not being owned by the institutional church, the way to not being owned by the government is the, your ability to forgive. And if you don't, then please tell me what you're doing with it. Now, let's talk about Thomas for just a few short moments because I learned something this week. I did not know that, you know, I've, you've heard, of, you've, you've all heard the phrases Hallmark signatures, right? We've heard, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, but it, it's, it was in regard to silver because I found this when I was um, researching this thing about um, fine silver. And in some place, you're going to find some kind of mark on it Okay, and you'll find initials or some other sign engraved on the bottom of the item, such as a cup or maybe the back of a, a dish or a display object or something like that. These markings are called hallmarks. And they have that name because originally, many years ago, all items made of silver, whether pots, dishes, trays, utensils, or jewelry, were, were produced by members of a guild or union. And at one time, the guild members both met and worked in large rooms called halls. Hallmarks are etched or engraved into every item for two reasons. They tell you two things. The first reason is to show that the item is actually what it happens to be. That is, it is in fact pure silver. The item is not mixed with other cheaper materials. And a hallmark is also a guarantee of quality and purity. Now, the second thing a hallmark does is tell you where the product comes from. I didn't know this either. In other words, what hall does it come from? 
in some cases, what individual made it. In England, hallmarks were not only composed of letters or initials, but often, and especially in the case of larger items, there was some kind of crest incorporated into the marking. If there was a leopard's head, then that piece came from London. If there was a castle, then that silver came from Edinburgh. The hallmark of the guild in Sheffield is a crown, and that of Birmingham was an anchor. All this business about hallmarks started in the year 1300 when King Edward of England passed a law saying that no precious metal could be sold without a guarantee of its purity marked on it. So from 1300 to this very day, we still have hallmarks. So I got to thinking about Thomas. And, you know, we talk about Thomas, we, we've become very fond of calling Thomas the Doubting Thomas, right? I, you know, I, to me, that seems kind of negative. Seems kind of judgmental about him. Because I really think that Thomas isn't any different than any of us. Amen? Amen. Because Thomas said, essentially, if we want to modernize this, that is all fine and good that you saw Jesus. You know, quite frankly, I, I went with him. And by the way, just uh, on some exegesis, the only place that Thomas is really mentioned is in John. And Thomas is the only one besides Peter to refer to Jesus as God. So you know how I say the Gospel of John is always a literary apology for proving the divinity of Christ. Well, it's no wonder that John puts this story in there because when Thomas does ultimately see Jesus, it's like, whoa! But here's the deal. He had been with Jesus. Think about your life. He had been with Jesus. He had seen the feedings. He had seen the miracles. He had heard the conversation. He had seen Judas argue with Jesus. He had seen Peter give Jesus a hard time. And then when the arrest came, he, right along with everybody else, ran. He was probably on the fringe watching that whole trial come down. He witnessed Jesus being beat and being barely able to carry the instrument that he would die on. And he might have been in the back somewhere when Jesus ultimately gave up his spirit and died. How nervous do you get when you hear gunshots go off by your house? You know, you're, you're, you're worried about, you know, how close are they going to come? Or 4th of July when everybody starts firing off their bottle rockets and you're praying to God that it doesn't land on your roof, amen? Thomas is now depressed. He's scared. So a few days later, we don't know where Thomas was, but according to John, he didn't hang around with the disciples. Even when they found a way to gather, he was hiding someplace else. He was probably pretty convinced that as part of this movement, he was going to get killed. And we don't have a whole lot of detail after Jesus appears how they found Thomas. But when they went to find Thomas, Thomas was very logical, was very much us. I need to see the hallmark. I need to make sure this is not a story. You have to prove to me with certainty 
about this uncertain story that you have brought to me. It's not about doubt, folks. It is about hallmarks. It is about being able to see proof that what you are being told is true. Now, I told you this was going to be brief, so it's brief. Jesus told Thomas that he was blessed because he could see the hallmark. Well, that sucks for us, doesn't it? It really does. Because we don't get to see the hallmarks. We don't get to see the holes in the hand. We don't get to see the holes in the side. And there are a lot of people out there that don't think that the resurrection is just a hoax and it's a story that got some legs on it. And we live in an era where it's fun to talk about fake news. So where is our hallmark? Where is our hallmark? Jesus also said, these things that I have done, you will do. That's your hallmark. If you've been to my Facebook page this week, you will have seen a video that I don't know whether it's a legitimate video or if it was staged, but it was incredible. And it shows a little old man with his walker and, you know, the little basket in front of it. And he's trying to get across a very busy street. And the, the walk light is counting down. And, it, and he's moving slow. And he's about halfway across the street when all of a sudden he hits a rut. And all of the fruit that he had just bought spills all over the, all over the, the place. And you know he's not going to be able to stop and pick it up, right? And, you, and he looks up and you can see that the, the light is about to change. And there's traffic sitting there. There's a dude sitting in his car looking at him. And we know this look. Get the hell out of the way. Right? Move any slower? Yeah, right. <laughs> that way. Yes. That's Could you move any slower? And then the next thing happens is some guy in the car next to the guy that was staring at this guy with a death stare gets out of his car. And starts picking up the fruit. Next thing you know, several people in that intersection are out of their cars. Even though the light is green for them. Picking up the fruit. Putting it into a bag. And the guy is now almost to the end of the curb. And this guy comes up behind him, taps him on the shoulder. And hands him his bag. That is the hallmark that you're looking for. Friends. If you need to know that Jesus is alive, if you want to proclaim that you have seen Jesus, then do as he taught us. Forgive. Because if you don't, what are you going to do with it? God bless you.